I'm going to read verses 22 through 26 of Lamentations 3. And I am reading out of the NIV. And it says, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And again, I have been reading Lamentations, the third chapter, the 22nd through the 26th verse. And then the last time I came to you, we talked about we should wait with our eyes fixed on Jesus. So we should wait with the word of God and we should wait with our eyes fixed on Jesus, meaning that we need to look and see how Jesus operated when he was on the earth um, and how he waited and what was his patience like. And when we wait the way Jesus waits, then we'll successfully wait. Right. Um Today, we're talking about something a little different, and this is sometimes hard for us to do as saints, right? Um, but specifically, I'll tell you up front, it tells us explicitly, like it doesn't suggest or imply what we should do. It explicitly says, um, if you read verse 26, right, it is good to wait quietly. Uh-oh, quietly? That's what the word says, quietly. I didn't say that quietly but sometimes we gotta learn how to shut our mouths while we wait right um and we'll talk about this more i just want to give you a little context of the scripture so you can see why this is so important right um so i always tell you it's important that you know who wrote it who they wrote it to and what was the purpose of their writing right so i, I tell you those three things i'm trying to make you a good exegetical thinker right so that you learn how to exegete the text and when you're talking to someone else about it, that you're talking about the text as written before you ever talk about um, what you can get out of the text or what you feel about the text or what you think about the text. Just tell me, what does the text as written mean, right? That's good exegetical teaching right there. And so when we talk about this, um, this scripture was actually written by Jeremiah, who is known as the weeping prophet. And Jeremiah uh, prophesied for 40 years over um, Israel, over Judah, who was actually taken over by uh, Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians um, to be held in captivity for 70 years. But 40 years prior to them being held and, and taken into captivity, Jeremiah prophesied that it would happen. And for 40 years, he prophesied to the people. And this is amazing because in the beginning of Jeremiah's call to the Lord, and if you read Jeremiah 1 and read the call of God to Jeremiah, God tells Jeremiah from the very beginning that he's going to have no converts, that no one's going to believe him, that everyone's going to believe the lie of the false prophets and that although he will prophesy for 40 years, no one's going to believe him. So Jeremiah went in to his calling, knowing that he was fighting a losing battle, that he had to speak the word of God over all these people, but they were not going to believe him. And that's amazing to me because um, 
uh, a lot of times uh, we, if it doesn't look like people are listening to us, if it doesn't look like people are hearing us, if it doesn't look like people are snapping to the beat of our drum when we say something, then we give up and we throw up our hands and we say, oh, well, guess y'all just, you know, and we just do whatever. But Jeremiah continued to prophesy in obedience to the Lord. He continued to prophesy even though he knew ahead of time that nobody was going to hear him. He continued to cry over people. He continued to uh, beg God to change his mind. Lord God, how how can you be God and just let this happen? And the Lord would continuously remind him how the people had forgotten him and how the people had actually walked away from him and how the people had actually chosen other gods over his um, lordship, right? And so because of this, I'm telling you, I just can't even imagine being Jeremiah and prophesying for years and never having one convert. 40 years and never having one person change. 40 years, never have one person that really believes you. 40 years and never have one person that turns their life around. 40 years and never have one person that actually begins to follow what you are saying simply because they believe what you're saying. And so this is the context of this scripture. So when we're writing, when we're reading Lamentations, we're sort of at the end of this 40 year period. The Israelites have actually been taken away to captivity. There are only a, a few, a remnant that have been left. And Jeremiah is a part of the ones that have been left. And he's sort of in sackcloth and ashes crying over the people. And this, uh, the word lament means to cry, right? It means to cry. Um, in Hebrew, it means to cry. And so when it says lamentations, this is just like a whole book of him lamenting or crying out, you know, about all the things that have happened. And if you read the beginning of this chapter, even verse um, verses one through 21 of chapter um, three, you will see that he is lamenting. He is saying, God, you've done this and you've done that. And you, you know, uh, all these bad things have happened and all of these horrible things. And, you know, God has allowed this and God has allowed that. And God, and he's just lamenting. Right. Um, but then he opens up in this verse, verse 22, actually it starts in 21, um, where he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. So if you read all above verse 21, he's lamenting about everything that happened. I'll give you a few examples. He says, um, I am the man, verse one, who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. Um, verse five, he has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. Um, verse seven, he has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Verse nine, he was barred. Uh, he has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked, right? Verse 13, he pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughing stock of all my people. They mock me in song all day long. Um, verse 16, he has broken my teeth with grave, with the gravel. He has trampled me in the dust, right? Um, verse 19, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I will remember them and my soul is downcast within me. Then verse 21 says, yet this I call to mind 
and therefore I have hope. So Jeremiah is pretty much um, giving you sort of like a review of his life and of, of how all of these things have happened um, in his life over these 40 years of him um, prophesying to people who did not listen and how he felt about God, how he felt God was against him and how he felt God was persecuting him, how he felt God was punishing him and how he felt all, I mean, we're hearing all of his natural feelings come out. But then he says, yet, out of all of this, out of everything that I feel, yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Now remember, it's very important that you remember that Jeremiah is prophesying in a time when the Israelites have been taken away in captivity. They have been marched away to Babylon to serve 70 years in Babylonian because they had chosen other gods above God. And we know from the Ten Commandments, the first commandment is, I am a jealous God. Have no other gods before me, right? And so they have broken the very most important commandment to God is don't put nobody else over me, right? And they constantly, constantly put people over God, put things over God, put other gods over God. And because of that, God allowed them to go in captivity the exact way that he promised them that he would in Deuteronomy. He said, listen, if you do not keep my commandments, this is what's going to happen to you, right? So everything that he promised just came to pass. But Jeremiah is sitting here in sackcloth and ashes going through I mean, absolutely going through like, Lord, why did this happen? I don't understand. And you, you know, it's like you put a gavel to my teeth. I mean, you just, everything is just destroyed. It's just horrible. It's just, I can't even take this. You have crushed me. You have gone through, and he's going through all these emotions. And then in verse 21, he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. He says, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. In other words, because God loves us so much, we could be consumed for all. I mean, God is allowing us to go into captivity, you know, Jeremiah is saying, but, but we're going into captivity. He could have just killed us all. He could have just consumed us all. But because of his great love for us, we are not consumed. We're still here. And I'm having hope in the fact that we're still here because of God's, come on, that's awesome. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We need to embrace this in our own lives because of God's great love for us. That's the only way we're not, that's the only reason why we are not consumed. It doesn't mean that we were so great. It doesn't mean that we were so awesome. It doesn't mean we had it going on that we lived this Christian walk so perfectly because we read our Bible a couple days in a row and we had some prayer a couple days in a row. That's not why we're not consumed because we went to church, right? Because we prayed at the altar. That's not why we are not consumed. We are not consumed because of God's great love for us. And we must always remember that it is only the love of God is the reason why we're not consumed. It's not because we should not be consumed. Don't get it twisted. It's not because we should not be consumed. The only reason we are not consumed is because God loves us with an everlasting love. He loves us. He cares about us. He comes to see about us. And that is why we are not consumed. And it says his compassions never 
failed. That is awesome. I mean, because I don't know about you, but people have failed me over my lifetime. I mean, I could just, you know, I could spend the whole rest of my lifetime talking about how people have failed me in my lifetime, right? But God's compassion never fails. You can count on his compassion. You can count on his love. He will not fail you. And so we've got to learn that God is not like the people that we deal with. People will always let us down. And quite frankly, I think a lot of times we are let down by people because we expect too much from people. We have made people our gods in some ways. We have ascribed perfection onto people that can only be ascribed to God. We are expecting people to never fail us, to never hurt us, to never say anything bad, to never, you know, get on our nerves, to never disappoint us. And we ascribe all of this to people that should only be described to God. God is the only one that will never fail you, baby. Everybody else has the potential to fail you. So rather than expect to never be hurt, you ought to prepare yourself for the fact that somebody sometime is going to hurt me. I need to prepare myself on how to love anyway, on how to care anyway, on how to go beyond the break of this hurt and mend this relationship. We have to learn how to become unoffendable, right? So that when offenses come, we make the choice that says, you know what? Offenses come, but I don't have to be offended because I love more than I offend, right? I love more than I can be offended. And because of that, I am mimicking God. I know I can't be perfect, but I can get to the place where I'm more like God than I am like the world, right? And God's compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Every morning that you wake up, you got new compassion. Hallelujah. Every morning that you wake up, it ought to make you, it ought to make you sometimes want to go to bed early when your day is going bad. You like, I just need to go to sleep. And start all over because I know I'm going to get new compassion in the morning. I, You know what? I jacked this day up, God. But let me tell you how I'm going to say my prayers. I'm going to go to bed and I'm going to get up in the morning knowing that your compassions are renewed every morning, Lord. I repent and I'm going to wake up in the newness of you tomorrow morning just like today never happened. That's how we've got to get. We don't understand how great of a love God has for us to renew compassion, renew mercy every morning. That's an awesome thing. God is like every morning you wake up with a new chance. Every morning you wake up with a new possibility. Every morning you wake up with a new opportunity. Every morning you wake up with new mercies and new compassion. And we need to hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for God and for the new mercies and the new compassion that we wake up with every morning. He says, I say to myself, um, oh no, great is your faithfulness. I can't, I can't overlook that, right? Because God's faithfulness to us is so awesome. And I often say, even in my own life, that um, God is way more faithful to me than I have ever been to him. I start off faithful, right? And then I'll detour to the left or I'll detour to the right or I'll just be standing still and not moving forward, right? But we have to understand that God's faithfulness to us never changes. Now, Jeremiah is saying this in a time when he is punishing Israel for being unfaithful. 
But yet and still, Jeremiah is saying, nevertheless, God is still faithful to us. Even in this punishment, even when what we got to go through, what we got to go through, because we brought it on ourselves, understand that God is still faithful. Just because you're going through something hard or something difficult or something where you're struggling doesn't mean that God lost his faithfulness to you. He is still faithful to you and you need to just just bask in the presence of God and know that he is still a faithful God even though you're going through even though it's a situation even though it's a circumstance even though you got some things going on that you don't understand even though you would just throw throw up your hands and say forget it but God is still faithful to you and because God is still faithful to you you ought to make up your mind I'm going to be faithful to a God that is I'm going to be faithful to the God that is faithful to me. Then he says, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him because the Lord is my portion. I will wait for him. I will wait on the Lord. Whatever I'm waiting for, whether it's a miracle, whether it's a, um, some money, whether it's a, you know, a house, a car, a husband, whether it's a healing, whether it's just peace of mind, whether it's joy, whether it's uh, understanding, whatever you're waiting on from God, you have to learn how to wait on him because he is your portion. In other words, ultimately, I say I'm waiting on these things, but really I'm waiting on God because God is my portion. And if I got God, then I know he's going to give me everything that I need. So I don't really have to wait on things. I just need to wait on God. Because if I wait on God, I get everything. You understand what I'm saying? A lot of times we're waiting on a thing. And then as soon as we forget the thing, we forget God. And it's like, oh yeah, I'll call him next time I need him. Until then, let me just bask in this thing that I had, that I prayed for, that I wanted. I'm going to bask in it. But you got to be careful because God is a jealous God and you don't want your thing to become an idol in your life. And now you want the thing more than you want God. There are many people pray for a husband. Now they're all into their husband and they don't go to church. Many people pray for a house, a car or whatever. Now they're all into their materialistic things. They're trying to fill their house up. They can't go to church, right? They got cars and drive them past the church and go other places because God has blessed them with what they wanted, the thing that they wanted, but because they did not wait on the Lord, right? They don't have the Lord in their lives. We need to learn how to wait on the Lord and then things will come. Isn't that what the word of God says in um, uh, the sixth chapter of, you know, uh, right now it's escaping me, Matthew, the sixth chapter of Matthew. And it says, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And we seek all the things that's supposed to be added instead of seeking first the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to seek first the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to seek first the kingdom of God. We've got to learn how to seek first the kingdom of God. And then we won't have to seek things at all because things will be added unto us. I want the added blessing. I don't want to be seeking out the stuff and then I get the stuff, but miss God. I get the stuff, get all the materialistic things I want, but I ain't got no joy, no peace, no long suffering, no goodness, no mercy, no kindness, no nothing. Because I miss God, right? We've got to keep God first in our life. Um, therefore, um, it says in verse 25, the Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. 
to the one who seeks him. And so God is good to those who hope in him, who wait on him, who say, God, I know that you're going to bring me through this. And so I don't even know why I'm tripping. I don't have to trip. I don't have to go all off on the deep end. I don't got to get panicked. Um, I don't have to, you know, some people have anxiety attacks. I don't have to worry. I don't have to have high blood pressure over this. I don't have to, uh, you know, get a heart attack and a stroke and all of this, trying to figure stuff out my own. All I have to do, oh Lord God, is hope in you and then seek after you. And I know if I got you, I got everything that I need. If I got God, I got everything that I need. Listen, if I got God, I got everything that I need. And we've got to be assured of that. It says it is good. And this is our how right here. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Oftentimes we say we're waiting for the Lord, right? But we're not waiting quietly. We're not waiting patiently. We're complaining all the way, right? We say, I'm just going to wait on Lord. I'm just going to believe God. And I know he's going to come through. And that's what we tell the saints on a Sunday. But my Monday, it's like, I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, the light's going to get cut off and the gas going to get cut off. And I'm going to be living in the streets. And I just don't know what, I don't know what we're going to do. And we're professing something different with our mouth that we said was in our heart, right? But we've got to learn how to wait quietly. There is something about waiting quietly. And this doesn't mean that you don't speak at all. This means that you don't have to speak on the things of God. You are seeking God. You're believing God, right? And now you just wait quietly. Don't make sure that you don't open your mouth and speak against what you just prayed. Make sure that the doubts don't start coming out of your mouth, right? Don't speak against what you just prayed. Lord, I am going to wait patiently for you. I'm going to hope in you. And Lord, I'm going to wait quietly for you. I'm going to believe that you are my portion and that all I have to do is wait for you, hope in you. And then I know, God, that you're going to do this for me. So I'm not going to speak against it. I'm not going to tear it up with my mouth. You know, with my mouth, you know, girl, what you going to do? I don't know, girl. All I, you know, all I got left is prayer. We got to make sure how we say things, right? Because we, we make it seem like prayer is a trivial last resort that doesn't mean anything or that has no effect, right? We got to make sure we're not tearing down the house that we're trying to build up, the house of faith that we're trying to build. Make sure we're not tearing it down with our words, right? You're not going to be able to wait for something if you're constantly telling yourself that something is not coming. Uh, we read this scripture in Romans 8, right? Why do you hope for what you already got, right? So if you say you're hoping, but then you actually are speaking something different, then you're not going to receive, right? You've got to make sure that you wait quietly. That's what the word is telling us. You need to have a quiet spirit. Some of our spirits are in such turmoil because we're trying to fix it. We're trying to do it. We're trying to, okay, I believe in God, but let me go do this. I believe in God, but let me just run and do this. But I believe in God, but let me just do this. And I'm going to do this. And then let me, let me call him and let me call her and let me do this and let me do that. And our spirits are just in turmoil. Why? Because we won't quiet it down. And say, you know what? I'm going to quietly wait on my God. I'm not going to worry about where it's coming from. True faith and true patience is being able to say, you know what, God? You got this. You got this. Sometimes I have to talk to myself or, or um, sometimes in conversations with others, um, I will realize that I am trying to control. 
I'm going to quietly wait and patiently wait on you to hear from you. Some of us can't hear from God because we doing all the talking and God ain't got an opportunity to get a word in edgewise because we like, God, I need some money. God, I don't know what to do with God. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. Oh, God, I'm just so upset. And then God, and I need you to do it. I need you to move this way. And please move on my Auntie Tukey so that when I call my Auntie Tukey, she'll give me the money, God. And please also move on my Uncle Jay so when I call my Uncle Jay, he'll give me the money. And we're doing so much talking, so much figuring it out on our own that we never just quiet our spirits and wait on God. God will speak to your heart. God is talking, but are you listening? God is talking, but are you listening? God is talking, but are you listening? You have to sometimes quiet yourself. I'm telling you, I know what it's like for your brain to run an hour, I mean, a mile a minute, right? Sometimes you just got to quiet yourself. You got to talk to yourself. You got to say, okay, look, right now I want to do something and I notice something that I want to do is because I'm embarrassed or because I'm angry or because I'm frustrated or because I'm trying to make something happen or because I'm trying to move quick. And to me, God ain't moving quick enough. And so I'm just going to start this process, right? No, you got to quiet yourself down and say, okay, Lord, I'm quieting my spirit and I am listening for you. And ain't nothing spooky or, you know, uh, tripped up about this, right? We're really just quieting ourselves, quieting our spirits and saying, speak, Lord, speak to me, speak through your word, speak in my heart, speak audibly, speak however you want to speak. But Lord, I am listening and just Sometimes sit before the Lord quietly, just waiting to hear from God. Sometimes instead of complaining, 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 every time you want to complain, quiet yourself instead and say, Lord, I just had a, 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 a thought where I was going to complain, but instead I'm going to take this opportunity to praise you and give before you in, in silence another opportunity for me to hear you, God, instead of complain. I mean, you've got to really quiet yourself because I'm telling you, there are a lot of Christians with high blood pressure, with stress, with all kinds of things because they're praying, but they're not trusting. They're not waiting and they're not waiting quietly so that they can really hear God. And so we got to make sure that we're not just saying that we're waiting on God, but that we're quieting our spirits within as well. So it's not just about your mouth being quiet, but it's about your whole being being quiet because you trust God. So my mind is not worried. My heart is not in distress. I am quieting my heart. I am quieting my mind. I'm quieting my mouth and I am trusting God to do what he promised that he would do. And that's how we, we go back to what the word is already told us. All right. We read our word and we look at Jesus and we do all of these things so that we can quiet our spirit and so that we can say, you know what? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock. I stand all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. We've got to stand 
on the word of God, quiet our spirits, trust God, and believe that we're going to hear from him, that he's going to answer our prayers, that we're going to have everything that we need in him because he is our God that renews mercies every morning, that has this unfailing love that is faithful to us. And because he is unfailing and faithful, we can count on the fact that even when we going through, they were going through, Israel was in captivity. And here is Jeremiah crying out saying, God, I know you still faithful. Even though we about to go through captivity, we about to go through this punishment that we brought on ourselves. God, it doesn't mean that you are not faithful. And I know you're still going to bring us out of this with victory, no matter what our enemies think. That's the kind of spirit you got to have that quietly knows that even while I'm in captivity, understand that I know God's going to bring me out of this. Even while I'm going through in my most horrible state, know, quiet in your spirit, I know God's going to bring me out. I don't know how. I don't know when. I don't know where. But I know that God is going to bring me out of this. And that's how we've got to be. Listen, it ends um, right there, it says it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And so we are waiting to see how God is going to bring. He's going to save us out of this situation, whatever it is. You just got to keep the faith, believe God, wait patiently in a quiet spirit. And you're going to see the salvation of the Lord and how he's going to save you up out of everything that you need. Thank you so much for tuning in, for tapping in, and for just taking part in this first episode of what will be a couple series. Please like, subscribe, share this podcast, and let us know what you love. Let us know what you hate. And again, thanks for listening.